Good afternoon, podcast listeners, or perhaps good morning, uh, depending on where you are and when you're listening. Uh, it's Richard Flynn here, and at last we've got episode 12 of Staved Off for you. Look, I found it basically impossible to walk down the street without people asking me when the next episode of the podcast is coming out. Unfortunately, the ever-pernicious technical problems that you always hear about have slowed down the production of this episode, which is mainly about modern music. You'll notice that the episode, in some ways, is like a little time capsule, because um, it's very much about what was going on when we recorded it in June of this year. So Thomas and I are talking about some of the more modern music that was on the choir schedule at that time, and then I had the chance, uh, very luckily, to talk to a few of the choristers uh, about the modern music and about their experience in the choir more generally. Now, I'm afraid that the sound quality of the choristers portion of the episode, as, as you'll probably hear, it's a bit lower than we'd like, and I do apologise for that. Um, basically, they're very, very busy boys, and uh, we had to get in to record uh, our chat with them as quickly as possible. Uh, anyway, even though spring has now very much sprung here in Sydney, Thomas and I begin in this episode by talking about the cold weather that we were having in June. It's pretty cold, Thomas. I mean, I know you grew up in New Zealand and spent a long time in the UK where in both places it gets colder than here, but it's it's been pretty chilly this week. I think that the cold is um, somehow more conducive to church music. Now, um, why is that then? Well, I think there are a number of things. I mean, obviously, uh, wearing cassocks and surplices um, feels a little bit more sensible. It gets pretty grim in the height of summer, uh, yeah, I think. It, yeah, it really can. Yeah. Um, but also the dark, there's something about um, going into the cathedral in the evening and it being dark outside and singing lovely music on the inside. That's... Uh, that's quite sort of warming in its way. Well, you can certainly see the uh, the reason that so many people like a northern Christmas in the winter mm. and uh, and all of that. So I suppose we, we experience, a, if not quite Christmas in July or as the case may be, the middle of June, uh, nevertheless, we, we get some of the benefits thereof. I think that that's right. And also, I'm not sure whether there's any scientific basis for this, but I always think that the acoustic in the cathedral sounds somehow more resonant when it's cold. Who needs science? <laughs> there, there could be a genuine... I suppose what it isn't is it's not humid. There's not as much moisture in the air. It could be that, or could it also be that fewer doors and things are open? Yes, perhaps that's also true. Yeah. 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 So many factors. Mm, so I like I like winter. Um, it amuses me that uh, the cathedral's assistant, Master of Music, Simon, who came to us from Edinburgh having lived there for a number of years, um, is now uh, complaining about the cold. Yes, well... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not really cold, is it? I mean, no, you, no, you, let's you, face it. You did say it was cold, but it isn't really. Quite frankly, no. It's all, it's all relative, though, as with all these uh, yes, things. But uh, it's not just the weather that's changed. It's also recently you've uh, had a bit of a, uh, a change in heart, seemingly, in your music choices for the Cathedral Choir. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a change in heart. I mean, uh, we've stuck with our... Um, Your bread and butter? Our bread and butter, that's right. There's been much Palestrina in Victoria and William Byrd, etc. Um, but uh, I thought that it would be good for the boys and, in, and indeed for all of the choir, myself included, to, um, to look at some, some completely new repertoire, some of which is... is more recently composed, um, other parts of it not so recently composed, but new to us. 
Right. So there have been um, three or four pieces that are, could be described as modern. Is that is that right over the last? I think so. Few yes. Um, a few weeks ago, in the, towards the end of the Easter period, uh, we sang a piece by my friend Matthew Martin that he wrote maybe three or four years ago. Now, you worked with him at Westminster, is that right? That's right, I did. He was the assistant master of music there when I was the presenter. Matthew is now the um, organist and master of the choir at Keble College in Oxford. Uh, But he's a very accomplished composer, and our choir has sung quite a few works by Matthew Martin, but um, uh, more than that, he, he's in, in demand, really, as one of the most um, active composers, certainly of choral music in the United Kingdom, but he writes all sorts of music, organ music, instrumental music, um, other types of vocal music. Um, and quite recently, actually, there was a, a CD brought out by the Gabrielli Consort, um, featuring a, a major work of his called A Rose Magnificat. And I commend that to anyone that w- wants to h- hear a really stunning, um, although it's a completely modern and new setting of the Magnificat text, it um, incorporates some medieval poetry in a kind of troped fashion. It's a really Gosh. interesting piece. So therefore it wouldn't be appropriate for you to, to sing it at Vespers, perhaps, in a I think, liturgical context? I think probably like not. That. Um, yeah. It might, well, it might be pushing the liturgical envelope. And instrumentation? What, what do you Just use for that? Just for choir. Okay, right. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll certainly be uh, seeking mm. that out. We didn't sing that, however. No. <laughs> we sang, Let's um, talk about that for a little <laughs> a work that, that had been commissioned from Matthew uh, to be sung by the Anglican Choir of New College in Oxford at the Vatican, with uh, not at the same time as the Sistine Choir, but uh, for the two choirs to be singing Mass um, much as, together. Much as your choir did last year. Indeed. In uh, St. Peter's Basilica. Yes, that's right. Um, so Matthew set uh, the text ut unum sint, or that they may be one. Um, obviously, there's an ecumenical element to the uh, choir having been invited to go to the Vatican in the first place. Mm. We might explain to listeners the significance of that phrase, which is that it's the, the first line and therefore is used as the title of... It's a papal bull or a... Um, That's true, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, about... Uh, precisely about ecumenism. Yeah, about uh, the, the unification of, of the Christian denominations. Yes, yes. And uh, Matthew's piece is um, really interesting. The boys um, particularly enjoyed learning and performing it. Uh, and he, he plays with um, a kind of musical expressions of uh, what might seem like unity, but then um, he doesn't always allow the music to... Uh, to just end on 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 a boring note <laughs> of unison, there's always a question, which I suppose is is that's just a nod in the direction of human nature, isn't it? Very good. So you sang that uh, uh, not on Pentecost Sunday, was it? Or no, it was a few weeks before. It might have been the fifth or sixth week of Easter. Right, I see. Like and uh, how well received was it? In your impression? Well, uh, look, it's it's really hard to know because. Um, it's quite rare that anyone from the congregation makes a point of coming to say what they thought of the music, whether they liked it or they didn't. And do you wish that would change? Uh, I'm I'm certainly interested to know what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps it's partly because we don't really have um, a, an easy forum for that. So there's no uh, sort of parish hall 
um, here at the cathedral. We don't have um, a, a kind of social time after mass. Everyone just sort of leaves from the various doors, including the choir. And so... Um, and off, yeah. they, off they go. Off they go. Now, there used to be, in my time, in the last few years, there was the... Uh, uh, opportunity for the sausage sizzle on, uh, occasionally once a month or something, which was run by, in fact, precisely chorister parents. That's right. But that seems to have gone the way of all things for the moment. Yes, uh, we might try and reinvigorate it. Um, I think it just, it's just, uh, as people are busier and busier, it's hard to, to get them to um, put the time into to, oh, certainly. You know, running the sausage sizzle. I suppose with all these, as with all these things, you have to you have to have the, the keen core group that's going to actually... That's Make right. It happen, otherwise. But you know, maybe maybe I just need to um, to bring it up with the chorister parent group again, and, and we'll yes. see if there's any. Well, that's certainly an any idea. takers. Anyway, so therefore, you don't really know uh, how people reacted to. No, I mean, I, I, my guess is that some people thought it was really interesting, mm-hmm. um, that other people thought it was ghastly, <laughs> and that um, perhaps the majority of people thought, "Oh, there's that choir singing again, like it does." <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> I don't know. Right, I see. So that was uh, Matthew Martin's Autunum Sint. And mm. then subsequently, more recently, we're now recording this in the week after uh, Trinity Sunday. Mm. And on sun- on Trinity Sunday, you sang some more modern music. We did. Um, we sang two movements from a mass written for Trinity Sunday, Missa Trinitatis Sancte, in fact it's called, by um, Francis Greer who is an English composer, had formerly been the director of music at Christchurch Cathedral in Oxford, um, but um, very certainly a very fine composer and wrote this mass in, the I think, the early 90s um, for the choir of Westminster Abbey. And uh, one of the lay clerks in our choir uh, knew about this piece and uh, years ago now, um, when I hadn't been here very long, presented the choir with a set of scores and said, I think we should do this. And I remember looking at it thinking, gosh, this is too hard. We'll never, we'll never, never be able never to do that. Never achieve that, right, yeah. Um, and then uh, perhaps in more recent years, I thought, well, I suppose we could do it, but no, we won't. <laughs> and then, isn't it interesting, I just had a completely different uh, thought about it this year. I thought, actually, no, we, we will do that. That would be good. So there was a change of heart, you see? Yes, actually, in regards to that piece, absolutely, a change of heart is quite right. And I think it came about because I'd noticed that with the current set of boys, um, sometimes it would feel as though on Monday morning we'd start looking at the mass setting for Sunday and they would sing it through and it would be all right. And then on subsequent days it would get worse. <laughs> That's uh, disheartening. Uh, yeah, indeed. That that actually because they sort of knew it or they'd done it a year ago or, or whatever, um, that it's been hard to, to get them to, to remain interested in improving um, in small incremental ways their their performance of, of a piece that they yeah. know. So I thought, oh, well, maybe we're better off doing pieces that they don't know at all and that are really different and esoteric and, and they'll have to learn. And this was certainly one of those. It was very challenging for all the singers, including the lay clerks. Right. Uh, and, I mean, I can imagine that that would um, certainly be the case that with the certain type of mentality for some of your choristers and possibly some of the lay clerks as well is that it's it's easy to as it were fall into a rut and i think they certainly the the adults in the choir know that that's easy and whether they like it or not i'm not sure but 
we do we do talk about it that um, we don't want to fall into those ruts. That mm. whilst it's nice sometimes to sing repertoire and not to have the stress of um, singing Worrying about new notes for the yeah. first time. It's also good to have the challenge, and I have to say the whole choir were really up for it. And um, we unfortunately we don't have the luxury of having a full choir rehearsal. Um, so the boys learn their parts. The the lay clerks um, had been sent the score. They they knew it was coming up, but we didn't have the opportunity of rehearsing it together until the Sunday morning before mass, when mm-hmm. we also have to rehearse all the other parts of mass as well. So um, that meant that I suppose we had about uh, twenty minutes. Does that scare you? That experience? Um, yes, it does. And of course, it means that um, whilst I was I was happy with um, the our first performance of of this music um it could have been better and it would be a piece that would reward um a, a proper rehearsal period and and i think we'll try and find an opportunity of, of spending more time on it in that's the good so the podcast listeners who weren't there might keep an eye on the music list to see see it come up again this is francis greer's what did you say it was called the miss uh, trinitatis sancte ah yes master of the holy trinity hmm. and um but that uh, also on sunday you you uh, sang a piece of Bren- benjamin Britten, which did. many people might consider modern music <laughs> yes i suppose so um we sang uh, britain's festival te deum uh and a number of reasons for that i i have said before on this podcast that I think the boys respond really well to Britain's music, that uh, there's somehow a, a, an ease with the way that they are able to approach pieces of music that he's written, even when they can actually appear relatively complex on the page. And I like this um, Tedem. It's actually, it's not my favourite of Britain's Tedem settings, but it's a, um, a very useful one in that it's actually relatively succinct. The Tedem is a long text. Mm. Um, we don't often have an opportunity of singing it. Um, and I thought that it, it's obviously um, a, a very appropriate text for Trinity Sunday, or I say obviously, but um, it has many um, Trinitarian aspects in its long text. What's the date of the Te Deum? I mean, when does that go back to? Oh, shall we look it up? Shall we, shall we ask <laughs> well, the old Wikipedia? Yes. Yeah, you'll have to, I'm <laughs> Right, afraid. okay, well, okay. It's, of course, the, the church's great hymn of thanksgiving. Hymn of praise, Te Deum Laudamus. It's, it's uh, from the 4th century, one of the core hymns of the Ambrosian oh, hymnal. there you go. Now, Ambrosian for listeners in the UK might imply some sort of uh, rice pudding. <laughs> but um, it spread throughout the Latin church with the Milanese rite in the 6th to 8th centuries and is sometimes known as the Ambrosian hymn, even though authorship by St. Ambrose is unlikely. There you go. So it, yeah, it is a hymn of some antiquity. And of course it has in it the, the text, um, uh, to the cherubim and seraphim continually do cry, holy, holy, holy. And that, uh, well, there's Trinity... Trinity Sunday for you. Yes, indeed. Uh, but um, now how do you go about combining pieces of music on any given Sunday? Well, I think that's a good question. And I, I knew that I wanted a substantial motet for Trinity Sunday. It's an important solemnity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew that this um, Greer mass setting would take a lot of rehearsal time and that we had very little. Um, Britain's um, Tedem, the festival Tedem that we sang is not... Um, it's not simple or, or, or facile. Um, the choir has sung it once before, about three years ago. Um, but I, I knew that really it wouldn't take 
much putting together. A lot of it is in unison. Um, and although it's rhythmically um, inventive, uh, it, it it wouldn't take up too much time. But I thought it would go well with the Greer because it's of a uh, more sort of contemporary genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it's with organ, whereas the Greer is un, unaccompanied. Um, both so it's nice to give the organ something British to do composers, during mass. And yeah. I, I, I think that was a reasonably successful pairing. Well done. Very good. Now, I'm sure many of the listeners at this point are looking forward to being able to hear uh, recordings of some of these pieces that we're discussing. Um, are they going to be able to do that? <laughs> no, not live recordings of, of the most recent masses here because um, our uh, cathedral music administrator uh, is away at the moment. She's on her honeymoon. Um, we heard about her wedding a while ago, we and did. now she's on her honeymoon. Perhaps yes. she'll be able to tell us about her honeymoon at a future podcast. Um, but uh, she's never told me how to press the recording button. So uh, that's a shame. So it, it's all lost. <laughs> it's all lost to the sounds yeah, of time, but as as indeed most music is and should be. This coming Sunday, Corpus Christi. Um, unusually, the the boy choristers are staying at the cathedral after mass. Uh, so that they can sing for Vespers and Benediction in the evening. All right. Um, most Sundays, the lay clerks sing Vespers and Benediction. You try to have the full choir, I think, about once a term. About once a term. Right? Yeah. That's right. It's um, nice to be able to do it. And, of course, Corpus Christi is a great time to, to make something special of solemn Vespers and Benediction. And we're going to sing, I think, a really wonderful piece that sits slightly outside the normal repertoire of this cathedral choir. Um, It's very much um, uh, an Anglican anthem for Evensong, uh, but set to a redoubtedly Eucharistic text. And this is um, Gerald Finzi's setting of Lo, the Full Final Sacrifice, which is, um, the text is a translation of bits of the Pentecost sequence, sorry, the Corpus Christi sequence, Laudus Sion Salvatorum. Um, and uh, anyway, it's extraordinary music, wonderful words, and we could never sing it at Mass. It lasts about 14 minutes. Um, but at Vespers, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, it's eminently appropriate and I think, again, that uh, the boys and I have been enjoying the process of coming to know this music, which is, as I say, really quite different. Even the fact that it's in English makes it different for them because we sing so much in Latin. Mm. And this is a, a, an interesting and, um, well, it's a, a very artful English text. So they have to think about the way they, they sing those words, how they make the, those words come come to life, how they can make them clear to the to the members of the congregation who, let's uh, remember there, even the front row is probably about a tennis court length away from the choir. So in order to bring the text across, they have to uh, be very conscious about what they're doing as singers. It's, it's certainly quite a gulf that you have to have to deal with there. Yeah, indeed. And then um, they're also dealing with uh, the acoustic and the fact that the organ's playing and, and all of those things. But but some of the lines um, that, uh, I don't know, that we've, we've found interesting, at least. Um, oh, let that love, which thus makes thee mix with our low mortality, lift our lean souls and set us up, convictors of thine own full cup, co-heirs of saints. It's lines like that that, and Finzi has, um, you know, a remarkable way of 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 adding music into that 
um, equation quite, there. Quite rich, uh, den- densely packed piece of English poetry. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. De- I would say dense. Yeah. Um, but then there are there are other bits that that are just poetic, um, such as O soft self-wounding pelican whose breast weeps balm for wounded man. All this way bend thy benign flood to a bleeding heart that gasps for blood. <laughs> I mean, that well, that doesn't leave a lot to the imagination, and of of course, it's been we've we've talked a little bit about the soft self-wounding pelican, mm-hmm. and one of the choristers, I was really pleased, um, put his hand up as soon as he saw that line and said, "There's one in the cathedral," and right. I looked at him and said, "Is there?" I have to confess I'd forgotten. And mm. he said, yes, there is. In fact, the, it's in two places. And I was even more surprised. I said, where's that? <laughs> and he said, it's in one of the coats of arms that um, of former archbishops that's up behind where we sit, where the choir sits. And it's on the, it's um, there in marble in the forward altar. And he's absolutely right. Right. You've gone looking. Yeah, well, I, 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 as soon as he said it, I, I, I then realised that that he was correct. But I just thought it was so interesting that that this little boy had um, filed that away, yeah. Not really, perhaps knowing the significance of it, but that he knew it was there. That's funny how how the mind does that. So I'm pleased that that we're seeing that. And another reason for doing this piece is that last year we sent three of our scholars, the the older boys. Um, to participate in something called the Eton Choral Course. Mm. And um, we might actually talk to some of these um, characters on a future podcast. We're looking, we, well, that would be a good thing to do, I think. Mm. But uh, they uh, had the experience of going and singing with other young singers, male and female, um, mostly all over from the UK. Uh, it's based at Eton College, but they also go and spend time in Cambridge and Oxford singing in college chapels. And anyway, this um, Lo, the Full Final Sacrifice was one of the pieces of music that they sang as part of the special choir in this choral course. And I believe they even recorded it um, as part of a live broadcast of Choral Evensong on the BBC. Uh, so these boys had come back all excited about it. And I thought, well, I'd love to give them an opportunity of, of singing it here. So although the scholars won't be singing on Sunday at uh, Corpus Christi Vespers, <clears throat> We are going to sing this piece um, in the Cathedral Choir School's um, school concert in the Sydney Town Hall next Friday. Um, so that will be an opportunity for the scholars also to sing. Now you uh, you very neatly segued into into what I was going to bring up next, which is precisely this concert, which I know has been occupying your time fairly <laughs> significantly recently. <coughs> well, this is one of the school's traditions that they have an annual concert in the town hall and of course it's as you might expect a showcase for the school bands and orchestras and and all of that but also the entire school is expected to stand on the stage or on the um the the wings surrounding the town hall stage because there are so many of them um and sing now, which poor sap has to teach them to sing? Well, <laughs> it's it is a team effort, but in the end, it's fallen to me since I've been here to to stand out the front and um, I won't say conduct. Uh, I mean, even for me, this becomes a sort of wild gesticulation in the hope of eliciting some kind of musical response. Right. Um, and yes, I suppose they do sing, but it's it's really reminiscent of of football stadium music making. Right. And but that's. 
to be expected for a, a whole school, Absolutely, perhaps. Absolutely, yes, indeed. I might, yeah, and say. every year there's a certain amount of reminding to be done that this is one of the things we do at St Mary's Cathedral College. It's one of the things that uh, defines uh, the school and, and, and people look forward to it and, and the college is known for this. Right. By whom? <laughs> Well, by themselves. Right, very good. <laughs> and I have heard tell that uh, in previous years you've um, sometimes, in order to attract the attention, presumably, of the, the boys that you you either are or aren't conducting, depending on how you define it, by uh, by donning special costume. Is that... Uh... Oh, I've, I've tried various tricks. I think one year I put on a pair of sunglasses or a silly hat or something to try get their, right. get their enthusiasm. But Are, are you going to try that again this year? Well, it would be a shame to spoil any kind of uh, attempt, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. Okay, well, I'll uh, keep my ear to the ground and find <laughs> out what happens. Now, Thomas, you'll be glad to hear that we have had another listener question. Oh, good. And the question um, is one that I'm curious to see how you're going to answer. Uh, it, it concerns the regular Vespers, both on Sundays and uh, three or four days a week, which are in Latin, and yet... Part, members of the congregation, whereas they're invited to participate when the office is in English, they're not so invited when it's in Latin. And and why is that? I think because we're trying to offer with the Latin Vespers, it's a little bit like going to a monastery and hearing the monks um, pray the office. It's not all that easy to pray the psalms, to sing the psalms in Latin. Um, the language isn't the hardest part about that. It's it's fitting them to the tones and the antiphons tend to be longer and slightly more complicated than the simplified antiphons that I provide when we have the office in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and the choir here, um, whilst they're certainly not monks, um, are a little bit like monks and that they're a stable community who are practising the, the rendering of these Latin plain chance arms every day. Um, so I'd say they're the professionals. And the the history of, of the sung office really is uh, largely to do with um, leaving it to the professionals. Now, that's not to say that the congregation can't can't pray with, with the choir. Of course, they, they should. It's, it's what they're there to do. Um, but it might make it harder for people to pray if there were, albeit well-meaning attempts, to sing mm. this really quite difficult music. Um, also, there's no easy way of putting the um, notation for the congregation. Um, it would be a very unwieldy exercise to try and provide that. It, as I say, if you go to, to a monastery, the, the people often, especially if there are regulars in the congregation, will will sing along, but they do so sotto voce, um, so as not to try and intrude on the community um, of the monastic community is singing. And uh, I think that's probably where I would stand on that. Um, there might be, well be differing points of view and I'd be interested to hear them. I, I suspect our clergy might feel differently. I mean, they some of the priests do sing along and that's absolutely fine. I would never um, say that they shouldn't mm. because they do it in exactly, in precisely the way that I've just, just sort of mentioned, which is to to do it, you know, on, on, the, on the quieter side. Yes. That's right. Oh, well, I think that makes sense.
we thought that perhaps now was the time to ask some of the choristers what they think about uh, well the topic of the day of course is this modern music uh, but also perhaps their experience in the choir uh, and um, right now I have sitting across from me Luke Pitts and Joshua Dalman. Good afternoon, boys. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, and um, how long have you both been in the choir now? I've been here for three years. This, or is, three, this is my fourth year. Yeah, Luke, you've been in, in the... This is your fourth year, yeah? And I've been here for about nine months. Right, OK. And how's your experience of it so far, Josh? Do, do, you, do you like being in the choir? Yeah, I like it. And also having the opportunity, as well as being in the choir, go to the school as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, so you like being at that Samaritan Cathedral College, yeah. and, um, and choir. I'm guessing for both of you, if you've got friends who aren't in the school and aren't in the choir, uh, they must find it pretty weird to hear about the things that you do here, do they? And they try and take it as an advantage sometimes, being not a chorister, to be better than. And sometimes it's true. Like sometimes they get some stuff that we sometimes miss out on because of rehearsals for upcoming concerts and stuff. Then we get better opportunities. Yeah, but then we get um yeah, but then we get special concerts that they don't come to but sometimes they do like school concerts. Yeah. In on Friday we're doing the Finzi piece by Perrin Ford. Which is basically new. Also, what the experience to travel to Rome and Belgium. So that was last year and you, yeah. you were on that tour, Luke. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Okay, great. Anyway, so as I was saying, what we're talking about really um, for this episode, this month, is some of the uh, more modern music that you've been seeing recently. And Josh, you just mentioned some of them. You mentioned that piece by Finzi. Yeah. Um, I should just mention to listeners that we're now recording this after Corpus Christi. Um, so that are, you sang at Vespers on Sunday on, for Corpus Christi, and you sang the Finzi then. Uh, and it's quite a long piece, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how long do you think it takes, really? Ten minutes. Yeah. Ten minutes. Do your feet get tired? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, but then I think for the concert, we're just cutting it down to half. Yeah, OK, so you're doing it at the school concert on Friday. Yes. Yeah. And then you also mentioned that there's a piece by, by Perrin. Now, yes. who's Perrin? Um, Perrin's a scholar, year, a scholar yeah. in year 12 at, in the choir as well. Yeah, so Perrin's one of the scholars. Yeah. And what's the title of the piece that he's written? Um, Ocoli Omnium. Omnium. And um, is that an easy piece to sing? Uh, well, yes, but then sometimes, yeah. sometimes people no, make like, mistakes. Yeah, because it's a new piece, it's not very known. It's the first time it's been sung. It's the first time it's been sung. Right. And, um, do you think that that's an uh, exciting opportunity to be able to, to sing something, you know, at its world premiere? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That happened with um, a piece that we sung earlier this year. Yeah. yeah. So that's a piece by your dad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday. You sang the Annie's Day from the, yeah. the mass that your dad is writing, Anthony Pitts. Um, and, um, yeah, so you do get the opportunity to sing... Um, new compositions, as they say. What do you think is the, um, some of the differences between uh, the new music, um, modern music, and some of the more traditional music that the choir sings by people like Palestrina and so on? Probably the style of piece. Okay, so how might the style differ, Josh? Um, like in the, depending on what era it was, like yep. the Romance era, the classical era, well, depends on when it was written, is 
how it's different mm -hmm. depending on the yeah is how it's different in style and all different I can't think of anything else to say besides style. Right, okay. Um, and um, Luke, do you have you got a preference? If you had to choose that, you know, if someone were to say to you, look, uh, in the future you can only sing Palestrina or you can only sing some more modern music, um, would, you, would you be able to make a choice or do you think it's worth having both? Do you mean just Palestrina or the old people? Well, all the Renaissance composers like that, yeah. Um... I don't want to be rude to my dad, but like, because there's Bach and Mozart and stuff, so yes. Yeah, so you'd choose those if you had to choose? Well, um, yeah. Okay. And why, why do you think that is? Do you think they're easier to sing, easier to listen to, mm. nicer overall? No, it's just because, um, well, everyone knows them, so then, like, they can judge how well you do it. Okay. So if, like, in modern piece and you do it, quite well people might think it's bad or if you do it badly and you think it's bad and you know it's bad and other people say it's really good just you know in your heart that obviously that you know that you didn't do it very well okay so, so. so people know if you've done well or badly because they know the music yeah. anyway whereas with the with certainly with a recent composition they don't know whether you got it right or wrong yeah yeah <laughs> oh well and um you you both are singing in the school concert on Friday. Yeah. Um, what are you most looking forward to then? I no? mean, there are some pieces we haven't practiced yet in the yeah. booklet. So seeing if there are any other newer newer pieces or older pieces okay. that we might not have sung or recently sung or sung a long time ago. Sure. Thank you both very much. Well, that was nice to hear from Luke and Joshua, uh, and now I've got in the room with me Nicholas Ho. Uh, Nicholas, how long have you been in the choir now? Well, I've been in the choir for two weeks. Two weeks? Two, two years. Uh, two years, okay. Yeah. And am I right in thinking that this year, 2019, is the, your yeah. first year um, as, a, as a chorister? Previously you were a probationer, is that right? Yes. Yeah, okay, so you, you were just inducted as a chorister this year. Yeah. And... Um, do you like it? Yeah, I do like it. Yeah, and what what what's so great about it? Like, if you were if you wanted to to tell someone else that they should join the choir, why would what what would, what reasons would you give? Oh, uh, because there's there's some incredible music going on. Incredible music, yeah. yeah. And when when all the notes are right, it it sounds really good. Okay, so you like it when the whole choir comes together? Yeah. yeah. Because you, um, you know, being, being a chorister, perhaps you do a lot of rehearsal with the other choristers, yes. of course. Um, but it's only um, sort of at the very end, just before you go on to perform, that you yeah. hear the, the men of the lower parts come and sing with you. And so that's probably quite a special experience. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so as you know, we, we're talking in this episode of the podcast about some of the modern music yes. that you've been singing. Um, have you got a particular favourite of any of those modern pieces of music that you've sung lately? Um, kind of. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was the Utunum Sint, was actually pretty nice. Yeah. yeah, the one by Matthew Martin, yeah? yeah. Okay, and what, what did you like about that? It, that it got more louder. So it gets louder yeah. and louder, yeah. does it? Yeah. And um, on Sunday, of course, you sang um, Finzi. Yes. And you're singing that on Friday or a bit of it at the school concert we've just been hearing. Yeah, we have. Do you like that piece of music? Well, kind of. 
kind of. Right. Not fully on it. You're not fully all over it, yeah. yeah. And um, why don't you like it? Well, because there's like, it's not particularly clear to see the notes because it's like a little bit. A bit discordant? Is yeah. That a problem? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that, that makes sense. And so there was a question that I asked the boys who were in here just a minute ago, which is that if they had to choose between modern music and less modern music, like Palestrina or Mozart or Bach or anything, and they could only only have one or the other, which would which would you choose? I would choose the modern. You would choose the modern yeah. music? Why? Well, because then you get a better experience of what they have been singing in the past. Okay. So you, what you're saying, I think, is that um, the the music of old is yeah. um, is helping to kind of um, instruct modern composers. Is that yes. what you think? Yeah. And so then they can choose to develop it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Great. Do you find being in the choir tiring? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, do you sometimes wish you weren't in the choir? Well, maybe not. Not really? No? no. Well, that's good. So, you're, you're, could you imagine yourself becoming a lay clerk one day or something like that? Hmm, not really. Not really. So, you think maybe... But would you like to be in the Cathedral Scholars? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, during your time at school, you'd like to sing in the choir? Yes. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, Nicholas, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Well, then, there we are. Thank you very much to our intrepid choristers, Luke, Joshua and Nicholas. And thanks also, of course, to Thomas for being, as always, so generous with his time for us. Uh, There are special thanks for Hannah McCarthy, the music administrator at St Mary's Cathedral, uh, who sourced the music for this episode. We realised all too late that there weren't any recordings of the services where the choir was actually singing the music we were discussing. So you've got some César Frank and some Brahms to enjoy instead, which uh, I don't think anyone can really complain about. We have another episode lined up, featuring some of the recently departed scholars, the uh, elder boys of the choir, um, which was recorded before they left school, uh, talking about their time in the choir, and I hope that we'll be able to release that in the next couple of weeks. Then, of course, well, it'll be Christmas again, and no doubt there will be a podcast involved. Finally, if you like what we're doing here, please write a review for the podcast on iTunes to encourage other people to listen. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed already, so that you always receive the latest episodes as soon as they're released. You can get all the information about how to subscribe on the podcast page on the choir website at www.cathedralchoir.sydney slash podcast. You can also leave comments there on individual episodes. For now, though, thank you especially to you for listening, and here's some Brahms for you to enjoy. <laughs>